baby back though, baby fall off. Sipping codeine, cause I gotta kill a cow. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. listening to Brandon Drum. It's all good, OU fans. Colin Kennedy. Oklahoma has the guys once Saturday arrives. And Parker Thune. This looks like the year where it's all going to come together for the Sooners. This is the OU Insider Under the Visor podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. This is the National Signing Day version for the Champion 2022 class. We are recording this the morning after National Signing Day. A little technical issues yesterday with all the snow and the BS. But hey, we're here. We're here and it's time. It's time to talk some Champion 22. What's next for Oklahoma and Brent Venables? A lot of different things going on, but man, what a day, what a day that the Sooners had on February 2nd, 2022, as they closed out the champion 2022 class with five new signees and all but one was a four star. If I'm, if I'm remembering that correctly, uh, you got Brim, you got Brim Venables, you got Gentry Williams, you have R. Mason Thomas, Cavante Henry. Grayson Halton, and you have uh, who else am I missing? Oh, Jamarian Burt. Jamarian Burt. And last but not least, certainly because he was a Florida commit for a very, very long time. What a class the Sooners brought in, landing at number eight in recruiting. If you add the transfer portals, which the 247 Sports does a, a composite addition, they ended up at number nine total with transfers and recruits put together. I'm telling you, what a hell of a class. I'm here with my boy, Parker Thune. And Parker, what did you think of the Sooners, the way they closed this thing out? Well, I think it's remarkable, Brandon. And in fact, borderline miraculous. The fact that this program maintained a top 10 recruiting class in the midst of a full-on coaching staff turnover. And sure, you had your holdovers. You had guys like Hill Gundy and Joe John Finley and Bill Biedenboe that stayed behind. But for the most part, this is an entirely new look staff from the one that Oklahoma had the morning of November 28th. And it is not often that you see a program continue to recruit at such a high level in the midst of a class that has to experience and has to deal with all the turnover that the Sooners commits and signees had to deal with in the class of 2022. Keep in mind, they lost Gabriel Brownlow Dindy. 
And he wasn't the only guy they lost, but that was the crown jewel of this recruiting class for Oklahoma. And I remember we were sitting there, Brandon, wondering how on earth Oklahoma was going to recover from losing a guy like that and the momentum, the negative momentum that that creates on the recruiting trail. Lo and behold, less, or I, I guess I suppose a little over two months later, Brent Venables and his crew are putting the finishing touches on the number eight class in the country. And you look at schools like Florida and Miami right now that underwent similar change on the coaching staff. And sure, they were able to garner some positive momentum on the recruiting trail towards the end once the new staff came in. But those are still two schools that are barely sniffing the top 20 right now in the 24-7 sports team rankings. The Sooners are number eight. And so you can't underestimate the influence of Bob Stoops and all this. You have to give mad props to Brent Venables and to each one of the assistants that came in and worked their tails off over the past two months to make sure that the Sooners closed this cycle strong, which they did. And that you, you can be nothing but pleased with how this class turned out for Oklahoma in 2022. Did you miss out on some guys you would have liked to have had? Sure. But all things considered, if you're being realistic, this is about as good as you could have had it. Absolutely. Uh, look, the, you said it best. I, I think when Gabriel Brownlow Dindy decommitted, I think you and I both got on the phone and we were like, you know, what in the hell are they going to do? Like, this is... This is and people need to know DEFCON one is as bad as it gets. DEFCON five is good. DEFCON one is bad. And it was DEFCON one. It was bad, bad, bad. And if you watch the Ozarks, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, they question why it's DEFCON one is worse than DEFCON five. But anyways, sorry, I digress. I thought of that the second I said it. I just thought of <laughs> I thought of Ruth and uh, the Ozarks. Anyways. Um, it, it was bad. And you and I talked on the phone for probably a good hour. Okay. How are they going to slow this thing down? They have these, this, this, and this offer out. Is this going to work? Are they going to be able to get in with a Grayson Halton, a Cavante Henry type? Are they going to be able to land a Mod Moten or a R. Mason Thomas? Because R. Mason Thomas and Ahmed Moten were the first two guys they went after. The second they got the job, they boom you started seeing them go after the Cardinal Gibbons duo and they went one for two leading up to national signing day. It looked like they were going to go two for two, but Miami made a push. Ahmed Moten being the legacy that he is with his brother playing with the Canes was too hard for him to pass up at the end. But still, when you look at it as a whole and you see, they were able to flip Kobe McKenzie back. They were able to, which is another one after Gabriel Brownlow Dindy decommitted that really hurt. I mean, I think that was the icing on the cake that just killed it. And if they didn't get Kobe McKenzie back, I don't know that they ever get the momentum that they have now. I think he was the beginning of everything. When he started to flip back and he started to feel kind of that momentum started to creep back up with him, I think that's when things with others that, weren't a part of the 2022 class originally they started to, to oh, okay whoa 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 they're able to pull this kid back from texas and, and i know texas struggled last year but that's still that's still a you know you know it's gonna peak your eyebrows up a little bit you know raise them up and you're gonna 
kind of go, whoa, that 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 shows Brent Venables recruiting, you know, acumen. And from that point on, him and Miguel Chavis and Kel Gundy and uh, Brandon Hall and Ted Roof and all the guys that came in before the Todd Bates of the world and the uh, Jay Valais, they made some significant strides in guys that, you know, weren't expected to be a part of the class up until a few weeks, maybe a month ago. I mean, this thing just changed really quickly and really fast. And Oklahoma ended up with, again, a top 10 class. That's how you win a national title. You build top 10 classes, and that's what Oklahoma did. And one of the guys I think that deserves a ton of credit in all of this that has maybe gotten lost in the shuffle and the euphoria of such a successful national signing day for the Sooners. We're giving props to Brent Venables. Sure. We're giving props to Jeff Levy for coming in and locking down Nick Evers and Jaden Gibson within a week of getting hired, obviously giving mad props to Bob Stoops for his role and keeping everything together. But how about the job that McGill Chavis did? This was a guy, Brandon, that had never coached before on the field at the power five level at the collegiate level. He still hasn't. He has not coached his first game as an on-field member of a staff. And yet he comes in along with Brent Venables from Clemson in December, two months till the end of the recruiting cycle. He is as on deadline as you can get. Mm -hmm. He rolls in, has zero commits in his position group. And less than two months later on national signing day, the Sooners are inking three blue chip players for whom he served as the primary recruiter. Devontae Henry, R. Mason Thomas, Grayson Halton. Those were all Miguel Chavis specials. And they weren't all on Miguel Chavis. Sure, Todd Bates chipped in, and sure, Brent Venables chipped in. But Miguel Chavis was the one that took the leap. And for a guy that has never been a positional coach at the collegiate level, for a guy that was an off-field staffer at Clemson for five years and was really kind of a surprising hire when Brent Venables chose to bring him in as the Sooners' new defensive ends and outside linebackers coach, man, he has done a fantastic job thus far. Mm. And you can you can certainly make the argument that even before he's coached a game, he already looks like a slam dunk hire for Oklahoma. He does. And, I, you know, we talked about this on OU Insider VIP, the fact that, he was kind of one of the main guys for Giad Campbell with Clemson whenever he was committed to Clemson. Venables and uh, Venables and man, I just went blank. Todd Bates and obviously um, Roof, Roof, and that whole staff ended up leaving, and so you know they. Campbell ended up decommitting. He ended up with Alabama. But in the end, Chavis was the guy that, you know, had that relationship with Jihad Campbell, him and Venables. And whenever those two left, that duo, it ended up being a deal where Jihad Campbell's like, I'm not staying at Clemson. And we all thought, okay, this is going to be a guy that Venables can't pass up, too talented. And you kept hearing buzz. And we were able to confirm it on our end that, yes, he wanted to visit Oklahoma. He wanted to see if he could follow these guys. He was interested in Oklahoma with Jamar Kane. Didn't end up making that trip out there because, oh, you went all in on Marvin Jones Jr. But 
Man, uh, they were OU was in a good spot for Jihad Campbell for a long time, especially getting a visit, and they ended up canceling the visit on him, if I remember correctly. He wanted to take a visit in December, one of the final ones, to see if he could, you know, like Oklahoma, like following Chavis, like following Venables, potentially follow Bates, because that rumor was out there pretty heavy at that time. And Venables, with his integrity, said no. We're not taken from Clemson. We're not taken from Dabo. I've made that abundantly clear multiple times that that's not what we're about, not what we're going to do at Oklahoma. And he held true to it. And you had to know how hard that had to be for Brent Venables to sit there and tell a kid of that talent. No. And the fact that Miguel Chavis had such an in with that kid. Well, he decommits. And he ends up at Alabama. No shock. I mean, he might have ended up at Alabama no matter what. We'll never know because Venables made it clear he wasn't going after Clemson guys. There were transfer. There were kids that wanted to transfer and follow him that were bigger name guys. And you're just like, whoa. Like, And he's like, no, no, no. And obviously, these are rumors behind the scenes. And you never want to come out and publicly name the guys. But, I mean, that's just a big deal where he's telling guys, no, like, you're staying at Clemson. I know this is hard. He did the exact opposite of somebody else. I can tell you that. And I think that's where OU fans have such ill will towards the dude out west. And they you have every right to. Pro- oh, okay. Well, there you go. You name dropped him. Yeah. Well, you name dropped I, him without name dropping him. I named after him. We don't, we don't speak the name anymore because OU fans don't want to hear the name. So I'm just saying the guy out West. I, w- I could have said something else, but. Uh, you could have, but. I did we not. We do our best I, to keep it PG on this podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Anyways. So look, you got to have respect and you have to know that. Chavis had some recruiting acumen in him at at Clemson. He may not have been out in the forefront. He may have been kind of lurking in the shadows as an off-field guy. But he was he was a Will Will Johnson, Chip Viney, Drew Hill type figure at at Clemson and kind of like those guys that were at Oklahoma over the last few years where they were big deals as far as recruiting guys i mean when you look at look what chip viney's helped bring in the caleb kelly's of the world you know all the west coast guys chip viney's been a lead on that or helped significantly recruit those guys when you look at the dmv guys how much has will johnson helped over the years bring in dmv guys he was a massive help because of his connection out there and that's kind of how miguel chavis was he was that dude so he had the recruiting acumen from behind the scenes Now people are actually getting to see it, and he's getting credit for it. He's getting credit for what he did in Oklahoma's 2022 class. Now we get to see his developing style, which, if it's anything like his recruiting, massively a home run hire, right? I think you said it earlier. It's looking like a home run hire, and if he can develop these dudes and these edge guys, is he not a rising star or what? Absolutely, and – I think that's going to be that's going to be what everybody's curious to see next. I think heading into the 2022 season, everybody will have gotten off on the right foot with a lot of this staff with regards to their perception and their prowess on the recruiting trail and their ability 
uh, particularly down the stretch here in the 2022 cycle to recruit strong. But especially for a guy like Miguel Chavis, who, as I mentioned, has not been a positional coach at the collegiate level before. It's an opportunity for him to demonstrate that he can develop, that he can coach these guys up just as well as he can recruit. And at that point, I think that's when a lot of fans will be comfortable attaching the slam dunk hire label because, sure, it's nice to have a guy like R. Mason Thomas, a guy like Kamonte Henry, a guy like Grayson Halton down the stretch to close out this recruiting class. But the fans want to see Ethan Downs take a step up. The fans want to see Marcus Stripling take a step up. The fans want to see what kind of potential Clayton Smith really has when coached up the right way. And so that is Miguel Chavis's next assignment to make as much of an impact in an immediate sense in terms of his players development as he did on the recruiting trail. Absolutely. Wow. I'm sorry. I just read something online. Uh, Oh boy. The internet again. Pete Golding. Pete Golding arrested for DUI. I did not see that one coming. Uh, I don't know how Nick Saban's going to handle that one. Probably not the way that's going to be rough. Um, I was looking just now at the list of decommits that Oklahoma had in the 2022 class. Do you want to, do you want to rehash and look at, look at, see who they lost this year? Sure. Why not? Let's go over the whole list. This is decommits, folks. Oh, this is going to hurt. <laughs> this is going to hurt. <laughs> you know, at one point, Oklahoma had the number three and the number 16 player in the country committed to them. Luther Burden, the number three overall player in the 2022 class. Gabriel Brownlow Dindy, the number 16 overall player in the 2022 class. Relique Brown, the number 41 overall player in the 2022 class. Derek Moore, the number 48 overall player in the 2022 class. Jordan Hudson, the number 91 overall player in the 2022 class. Talon Chetron, the number 124 player in the 2022 class. And then Dem- Demetrius Hunter, Pancake Hunter, number 370 player, and Xavion Bryce, 812. That is borderline has to be tough. I mean, they ended up with a great class, obviously, at the end. But the what a coulda, shoulda beens is huge in the 2020, more than any other class I can remember because of what they lost. And again, I think it's I think it's all the more impressive to consider what Oklahoma's recruiting class looks like right now, given the fact that you just rattled off, I believe, five top 100 players that Oklahoma had in the boat at one point that ended up decommitting. So you factor in even just one or two of those guys. Four top If you factor in just one or two of those guys, you're looking at a potential top five class for Oklahoma. And so to be number eight amidst all of those high-profile decommitments and all of the turnover on your coaching staff, again, it's borderline miraculous. Yeah. It's it's it is huge, 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 to see what Oklahoma did, and what this this new staff did after all of that. Because look, the majority of those guys that we named off right there, I, I named off Gabriel Brownlow, Dindy, Relique Brown, Derek Moore, uh, Demetrius Hunter, and Xavion Bryce. 
five of the eight, five of the eight were because of the coaching change. So it, it, it is actually, do people remember how far Oklahoma fell in the rankings at one point in December? Wasn't it like they were 20, down to number 21? 21. Yeah, I was, like, say, I was going to say 21 or 22. My God, to jump 13 spots. Do people understand how hard that is that the staff had to really, really dig down and make some significant moves? The Jaron Kanak deal was massive. And ironically, Venables, to his credit, even admits, I didn't do anything for that kid to show up here. Like he wanted it. He's the one that talked to Dabo because I told him my spots were full. We weren't taking another guy. We can't do it. But in the end, you know damn well that they're going, oh, my God, I'm glad we took Jaron Connect. After what we've heard of his offseason already with the, what did he have, 12? He put he put 275 up 12 times. He ran a 4-4-40, 11-foot broad jump. What was the other thing that he did that was super impressive that I'm not remembering off the top of my head? What was the other thing that he did besides the bench shoot, press? Of shoot, 40? I don't know. Uh, you hit the bench press. You hit the 40-yard dash. You hit the jump. Oh, his vert. Vert. Oh, 40-inch vert. Yep. That dude is a freak. <laughs> He's a freak. I, I I will bet. I will bet my paycheck he plays this year. <laughs> you want to bet? Really, Brandon? I'll bet. I'll You're bet really somebody their paycheck. Who makes more money than me? I want to bet you. Do you disagree? <laughs> I, it was a, it was, I only bet unless I. That's and I have a, a the guy sooner red zone. That's uh, uh, he's going to listen to this podcast, obviously, but he'll call me. And we're like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet. I want to bet you. Like, I think I owe him a dinner over something. I don't remember what it's for. We bet something obscure. And I mean, he always tries to get me in all these bets, and I won't do it because I'm like, dude, I'm not gonna bet something I can't win at. Like, I, I have to. I'm the type that I have to be for sure I'm gonna win. That's why I don't like playing slots, and I play poker because I can control it. <laughs> so. I'm a, as you know, Parker, I'm a very control freak type guy. So, um, anyways, what, what in your mind, moving forward from this 2022 class, and I mean, we can, we're going to talk more about this 2022 class, but moving forward, what in your mind is going to be the most significant thing for the 2023 class? Here's what I would say. I think looking ahead to 2023. We lost you. We lost the video, Parker. I would say for the class of 2023, the most important thing is going to be continuing the momentum on the defensive side of the football, because Right now, you have your quarterback committed in Jackson mm -hmm. Arnold. And when you have your quarterback committed and locked in, as Jackson Arnold is, you know you're going to get offensive skill position guys that gravitate towards your quarterback. So particularly at a place like Oklahoma, I don't think you need to sweat that too much. Wide receivers are going to come. Running backs are going to come. But 
especially based on what you were able to do as a defensive staff over the last couple of months in the 2022 recruiting cycle, if you can carry that momentum over into 2023 and secure several blue chip guys early on, uh, on the defensive front, whether in the front seven or in the secondary, just give yourself some pieces on the defensive side to build the rest of a class around on the other side of the ball. Then I think you're trending in the direction of having a top five class in 2023, because historically, right, signing elite offensive skill position talent has never been the issue for Oklahoma. It's never what's held them back in the team rankings. It's always been what they are, what they're recruiting or rather what they aren't recruiting on the other side of the ball. And so, especially with a guy like Todd Bates coaching defensive line and the name recognition that Brent Venables brings the, the aura that he carries, I think you're in a really good spot to watch Oklahoma continue to take an uptick and climb up and up and further up the ladder in terms of their ability to recruit nationally and secure elite defensive prospects from places like Houston, with DJ Hicks and places like Florida with Derek LeBlanc, just to pick a couple examples. And I'm not necessarily saying Oklahoma is going to get those guys, but what I am saying is now that you have the likes of Brent Venables and Todd Bates on staff, those are the guys that you can go and have a pretty good feeling about your chances of getting. And a guy by the name of Lebius Overton that apparently Todd Bates is in pretty thick with. So, I mean, I, look, we're going to find out. More about Levy Silverton, I'm sure in the near future, he's going to have to start narrowing things down and doing what he's got to do. I, I don't know that for a fact. I'm just saying. Um, but you just named, what, two elite guys. I named the third on the defensive line. And they're in on several others. Uh, Keldrick Falk is another that they're in on pretty massively. Uh, they, they, they've got, I'll tell you this much. The OU staff is going to, in my opinion, do better even in the 2023 cycle than they did in the 2022 cycle because they've had more time to build those relationships where they are currently. Yeah, it's great that you had these relationships at Clemson, and it helped tremendously when you got to Oklahoma, right? And in, in, in a really quick amount of time they were able to build a uh, an elite class anything in the top 10 i call elite you have an elite class or if you average over 90 uh per commit as far as the ratings go to me that is an elite class so you could you could be 12 you could be 13 but if you have a let's say a 90.5 at 90.50 average per commit you're trending on an elite class right there because those are those are top 250 that you you're averaging top 250 kid per commit when you do that type of stuff or at least close to a top 400 something like that and that's that's hard to do that's a four star average on your commits so as far as Oklahoma goes on the defensive side I agree with you I don't think they're going to struggle offensive recruiting still because you have Jeff Levy, you have the guy that created the best offenses or, you know, one of the top two or three best offenses in the country the last three years, whether he was at UCF or Ole Miss. When you add Matt Carell to that, you throw in Jackson Arnold to this whole ordeal and Dylan Gabriel to this whole ordeal. 
it, it's hard to sit here and say, oh, well, they got to focus on the offense. You know, that's where they're, they got to do this, that, and the other. Yeah, you know, other places might need to do that. The talent Oklahoma has on offense still losing Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, and whoever else they lost over, you know, Kennedy Brooks, you know, Tyrese Robinson, Marquise Hayes, all those guys they ended up leaving. I find it, I guess, kind of humorous that people think that they're just going to fall off. Well, here's what here's what I would say, Brandon. I would say when you look at the last two decades or the last quarter century of OU football, if I'm Brent Venables and this staff, here's the position I am taking in terms of recruiting. What I can now do as a, as a coach, especially a head coach at the University of Oklahoma, is I can walk into a prospective recruits home, whether they play offense or whether they play defense and say, look, we are the University of Oklahoma. We've been a great offensive program for the last 25 years. We were great before Lincoln Riley. We will be great after Lincoln Riley. Mm -hmm. Conversely, if you play defense, if you're a defensive guy, you can come be a part of the revolution at Oklahoma on the defensive side of the ball. You can, uh, you can operate, you can develop, you can learn under a guy who's coached four Butkus Award winners, a mm -hmm. defensive line coach that was named Recruiter of the Year in 2019, a guy that arguably has more, like Miguel Chavis might have more momentum right now as a recruiter than anybody in the country based mm -hmm. on what he did over the past two months. And so from that perspective, what you can do is when you're walking into the home of a defensive guy, you can say, look, what we are building is going to put us in legitimate national championship contention because you know that at Oklahoma, we're going to have great offense. Yeah. But over the past decade or so, what's been holding us back is great, def def great defense. I, Brent Venables, am here to remedy that. And right. I'm going to make sure that we are playing elite level defense and that we are elite on both sides of the ball. And therefore, we're going to be in contention for national titles year in and year out. Come be a part of that. Uh, you nailed it on the head. I'm, I'm here to tell you right here, right now. I just spent several hours at Allen, Texas high school with like you, you mentioned DJ Hicks, uh, zoo, Umazulo. That's how he wants you to pronounce it. Umazula. It's not Umazulu. It's Umazula. I did. I learned it. He told me how to pronounce it. So he likes being called Zoo, not Xena. Uh, he's a 2024 four-star edge rusher, defensive end type. And then obviously Michael Hawkins Jr., who is one of the top quarterbacks in the Eighth 2024 class. Yeah, he's a freak. And he's an OU legacy. His dad played at Oklahoma, ended up playing with the Green Bay Packers. He's a former defensive back. He looks just like his daddy, by the way. Built just like his daddy. Tall, lanky. He's got a good figure on him and everything. Like he's he's stronger. He's bigger. He's got a bigger upper body than I expected him to have. Uh, just kind of shocking, to be honest. So, anyways, I'm talking to to GJ and Zoo, and they bring obviously Zoo building a strong relationship with Coach Chavis, Coach Valai. And the same goes for DJ Hicks. I think, I think what might be the most underestimated portion of this OU staff moving forward 
is that they have a chance to um, get back into the DFW area thicker than they've been in a long time because of one Jay Valai. Everybody I talked to in the DFW area when I was down there, Coach Valai, Coach Valai, Coach Valai, Coach Valai, Coach Valai. I was, you know, I expected him to have a significant, you know, uh, make a significant impact with OU recruiting in Texas. I didn't expect it to be on that level. Everybody brought him up and they're like, dude, that was my guy at Alabama. That's why I loved Alabama. That's why I love Texas. When he was at Texas, he was recruiting me. When he was at Alabama, he was recruiting me. Now he's at Oklahoma. That's going to be so easy for me to go up and play at Oklahoma if I choose them because Coach Valai's there. And then when you talk about DJ Hicks, he talked about having a relationship with Venables and Todd Bates for years. Like he said he was closer to them than anybody else for a long time. Then he said he was really close with Coach Valai as well. So I think Oklahoma's in a really good spot for DJ Hicks. I think AM's going to be a problem. <laughs> of course, they're they're recruiting at a level that is it's actually kind of shocking. But there's a lot of people that expect that to like fall apart at some point because they, they think is how they're stacking up on the defensive line. There's going to be a lot of transfers at some point because not everybody's going to play. Not everybody can play. Now, that's just people talking. I don't particularly know or believe one way or the other because I have to give respect for what AM's doing. Like what they're doing is pretty impressive. The greatest class of all time is impressive. No matter how you look at it, it doesn't matter the bro Bible stuff. I mean, none of that matters, honestly. Honestly, that was a pretty legendary tangent from Jimbo yesterday. It was awesome. It was awesome. I I enjoyed it because, I mean, anytime I coach tangents, I I love it. And I think what I think his deal with, you know, his deal with uh, Lane Kiffin is going to be. (laughs) Their back and forths are going to be pretty legendary. I don't know. I, I look. I can see the appeal for playing for. For uh, and I know this is gonna piss all you fans off. I can see the appeal for playing for uh, uh, Jimbo Fisher. He just has that. I don't know. There's something about him that makes him who he is. Uh, and I'm trying to. I, I can't really pinpoint why, but I mean, look, the way that AM recruits is going to be difficult on OU in Texas for years to come. It just is. They they're 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 recruiting on a level that Oklahoma can only hope to get out at some point. And it looks like they're working to get to that point. Obviously, but when you look at the DJ Hicks of the world, when you look at the Derek LeBlancs of the world, when you look at the Lebius Overtons of the world, they're in it for all three of the top defensive linemen in the country. It's it's like you said, I think that's where you start. You have to start up front and then work your way back. As far as, you know, we talk about Coach Falai, he's in on Caleb Downs too. 
the top DB out of Georgia. Matter of fact, was talking to a few people, and I guess Caleb and and Invali talked for a long period of time last night on National Signing Day, like had a significant conversation. The interest is wildly significant for Oklahoma right now. And they're shooting the shot. Oh, you shooting the shot with the top guys, and they're going to see what they can do out in the southeast side of the nation. And I think what, – what's your take on that, by the way? Because I think – to me, I think that's the most interesting aspect to this whole new staff is where they're trying to lay their pipelines at in recruiting. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting to watch unfold because you look at Brent Venables and where he's traditionally made his hay on the recruiting trail. He's got a very strong presence in the state of Florida. Uh, Miguel Chavis obviously just signed a guy from Florida, a guy from San Diego, and another guy from San Diego. So <laughs> he's working coast to coast. Yeah. But Todd Bates has a strong presence presence in the Southeast. Obviously, Jay Valai has a really strong presence in the state of Texas, as does Cale Gundy. And so I think what the Sooners have on staff right now is they have guys who have their own respective hotbeds where they can kind of zone in on and serve as essentially regional recruiters. And Ted Roof said last night in the press conference uh, when he met with reporters to debrief on National Signing Day, he said, look, we're going to recruit as a staff. We're not going to recruit as individuals. So I'm not necessarily saying that recruiting a kid from the state of Florida is going to be all on the shoulders of Brent Venables or recruiting a kid from the state of Texas is going to be all on the shoulders of Jay Valai. But it certainly helps when you have a variety of guys all across your staff that have developed strong relationships and strong ties to those particular hotbeds. And you look at the state of Texas as an area that Oklahoma has recruited very, very well in years past and is poised to start doing so again, if they, if they weren't already, but you factor in what Todd Bates and Brent Venables bring and their presence in the Southeast region, Oklahoma's in really good position to be dangerous to a lot of these SEC programs, particularly once they join the conference. The Sooners can be a legit player on the recruiting trail for blue chip guys that traditionally would end up places like Alabama or LSU or Georgia Georgia. or even Clemson. Yeah. And I think that's funny. You brought up, you know, the recruiting. People forget that Foreman was committed to Clemson for a very long time. He was out of California last year in 2021. And Coach Bates was his recruiter and Venables. And so this staff, and then when you talk about Kel Gundy, I mean, he's got OK Preps. He's got Texas, Arizona. I mean, that guy, he makes a killing in those states. DeMarco with Vegas and Arizona and Oklahoma and Texas and Colorado. I mean, these guys are all over the place. I think this is probably the most balanced when you say as far as the, the, how they can recruit, it's the most balanced, uh, as far as the States there, they have pipelines in compared to the other, the previous staff. I think it's more balanced. I think you have it's I think there's more there's a wider range of possibilities because even a Brandon Hall and we haven't even talked about him. He went down into Florida and pulled out Jamarian Burt. He recruited Jamarian Burt. That was his dude. 
from Ocala, Florida. And he's from Alabama. I mean, he's originally from Oklahoma. Obviously, he's from Newcastle, Oklahoma, graduated from the University of Oklahoma, was Brent Venable's right-hand man as a GA, student assistant, all that type of stuff. Coming up through the ranks at OU with Brent Venables. But he made his biggest impact at Troy, which is in the state of Alabama. He recruited the state of Alabama. He recruited Florida. He recruited Georgia. So, again, another guy that has significant, significant connections to states that put out a ton of players. And then add to the fact that he's an OK Preps guy. So he's recruited Oklahoma and he knows the OK Preps landscape. The prior, that's another thing we need to touch on. What the priority that Oklahoma is putting on OK Preps, it's different than what Venables, or not, excuse me, what, what the other guy did, the previous staff. They're, that, the, first and foremost, they're going after Oklahoma guys. That's like number one on their billing. Find the top in-state kids, make sure they don't go anywhere but OU, and then branch out. Well, and I think it goes back to what Bob Stoops said a couple weeks ago with regard to recruiting the state of Oklahoma when he said, look, if we're going to make a mistake, if we're going to sign a scholarship player that eventually proves he's not capable of playing high-level football at the University of Oklahoma, we'd rather make that mistake on a kid who comes from within state lines right? because there's a lot more leeway granted and there's a lot more public forgiveness granted when you whiff on a kid like that who is sooner born, sooner bred, and has grown up within the state of Oklahoma right. than if you bring in a kid from California or Georgia or Florida or South Texas and they don't pan out. So I, I don't know that Oklahoma's sole focus is going to be recruiting the state of Oklahoma. I think at that point you're descending to Oklahoma state's level. Yeah. You have a nationally regarded brand. You have a nationally recognized coaching staff and you have deep recruiting ties in a lot of those hotbeds that we were talking about moments ago, but there's also something to be said for making sure that you keep legitimate blue chip talent at home. And when you have kids in your state, the likes of by Job and Micah tease and Eric McCarty, those are the types of guys that you make a definite priority because it's quite honestly inexcusable when you're a program like Oklahoma. And for so many years, you thrived on recruiting well in your radius within your state. And obviously the games change. You can't really rely on that to play national championship caliber football anymore. But at Oklahoma, you have got to make sure that in as much as it is within your power and within your scope of influence, you are ensuring that no high-level football player leaves the state of Oklahoma unless you legitimately cannot help it. And, you know, we've talked about this before, Brandon. Not every kid that grows up in the state of Oklahoma wants to be a Sooner. That's the harsh reality. Some kids want to go play at Ohio State or play out at a place like Florida or at Georgia, and that's fine. But for the most part, the kids that you find within the state of Oklahoma – they're going to want to be Sooners in their heart of hearts. And if they want to be Sooners and you know they can play football at the University of Oklahoma, why wouldn't you go pursue those guys fervently right. and make sure you get those guys in the boat and build the rest of your class 
around a strong nucleus of players that are diehard Sooners? I mean, I think the 2022 class, 2017, 2018, I think they're prime examples of even 2019 a little bit. No, I was, I was no 2019 is not a good example. I would say 2017 and 2022 are prime examples of what can happen when your core is okay preps. Because when you have the likes of a Robert Spears Jennings, Gentry Williams, um, a, a, a Jacob Sexton, a I'm trying to think of the other guys off the top of my head that Oklahoma landed in 2022. They landed what four or five guys from the state of Oklahoma, correct? Yeah. So you had Gentry Williams, Robert Spears Jennings, Jaden Rowe, Jacob Sexton. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, the point being is they're all four stars, right? And for the most part, and you land those guys and they can have significant impact on the rest of your class because then they can go out and recruit for you, especially if they're big name guys. Like, for example, 2023, if OU was to land Jacoby Johnson, Micah Tease, by Job to go along with Eric McCarty, just right off the bat, and they got those four. You know how much easier it's going to be for them to recruit the rest of the nation? Because those are guys that are considered elite guys. Those elite guys want to play with other elite guys. As they, as like a by Job, who is new to this whole ordeal, but his personality is fantastic, and everybody loves that kid. As he starts making the rounds, playing for C4 and 7-on-7, seven seven, and people start to realize who he is nationally, He's going to become acquainted with more guys. In turn, when he if if he ever commits to the University of Oklahoma, that'll make a significant impact. That'll be like yeah. So his dudes that he became friends with on the seven on seven circuit, they'll reach out and say, "Bro, what's the word? Like, how do how do how do I get in? How do I roll with you there? I want to take a visit." And Where then we dropping, as the kids yeah, say? Yeah, whatever they say nowadays. I, I'm not cool. I'm not hip with it like that. <laughs> my my kids, my kids talk all this lingo, and I'm like, dudes, I, I'm 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 past that at this point. Um, but it, it is, that's that's how it works. They 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 call each other up. So now you have a Micah Tease who is well known across the nation, has been on multiple visits across the nation with multiple people, has friends across the country. He's very Gentry Gentry Williams esque, Kobe McKenzie esque. Where people just mag- he's like a magnet for other kids to be around him because he's that type of kid. You land Micah Tease, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, the dominoes will start to fall. Jackson Arnold, the dominoes, you can see them starting to fall already. Yes, you can. You can see it. People are wanting to follow him. And I'm telling you right now, Brandon Innes isn't out of the question for Oklahoma at all. He's very close with Jay Valai and Brent Venables. Super close with both of them. He told me that specifically. I want to visit Oklahoma still. Looked me square in the eye at the All-American camp. And from what I talked about over the last 48 hours with people, that's a real thing. Like the, the Brandon Ennis OU stuff is not a done deal at this point. It seems weird to say, but it's true. It's a fact. So... 
anyways, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, okay, preps is where Oklahoma has to start and where they have to finish. I think that's, that's the main thing they have to do. And it's been proven time and time again, like, like you and I just said, the classes are always significantly better when you have three, four, five guys from Oklahoma leading the charge recruiting for you. It's just a look at the 2017 class might be the greatest class of all time from OU. I mean, it really may be as soon as, as, soon as well 17. Anybody wants to argue that point, go look at who was in that class. But you want to know why that class was so great? Because you had Justin Broyles, Trey Brown, Levi Draper, trying to think of all the other Oklahoma kids. There was like seven Oklahoma kids in that class. Isaiah Thomas was Isaiah in that class. Thomas, Isaiah Thomas. Um, Trey uh, Norwood, Trey which Nor- I guess he wasn't. He, he was wasn't, kind of, but he was. But he, yeah, yeah, he's Arkansas. Twilight Zone. Yeah, I mean, Trey Norwood was a on the. He was on. He grew up on the border. He had he had Oklahoma ties. Grew up on the border in Fort Smith, Arkansas. But you had and and Robert Barnes well, was well, essentially an I, OK Preps kid. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how we've forgotten to mention the name Creed Humphrey yet. That was a very big. Oh in-state yeah, game. Creed Humphrey, massive. So you had Trey Brown. Levi Draper, Justin Broyles, uh, Creed Humphrey, um, Isaiah Thomas. Trying to see if there's any more Oklahoma kids on that squad as I scroll down here. Tyrese Lott. So there was one, two, three. Six, four, six, five, six, yep, six, six, six. They had six Oklahoma kids in that class, and that class was ridiculously deep and ridiculously talented. And I believe it ended up being ranked the number number eight class in the country. Number eight class in the country. Imagine that. I mean, yeah. Look at look at the twenty twenty two class. They have what four or five kids as well, and so it ended up being number eight. It's weird how the top ten classes come whenever you. Make OK preps a priority. Um, I think we've 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 made that a point here. Uh, before we fi- finish off with the impact guys in 2022 here, I want to keep the 2023 thing going because I think that's where everybody's minds at now. Like they're they're done with 2022. Everybody kind of has their idea of oh now it's on to 2023. Well, Oklahoma started Josh Connerly and Levius Overton are still sitting out there, but. You know, Lovey Silverson's 2023 guy. No, we can say it's announced. Is it? It's gone public. He's Has reclassifying. It? Yep. It is front page on our board right now from Steve Wilfong. Lovey Silverton is now reclassified to the class of 2022. So we can acknowledge that. And he, along with Josh Connerly, are the two big fish still out there in the pond that Oklahoma has a chance to land down the stretch here. So that, I mean, yes, I agree with you in that most fans' eyes are tuned towards 2023, but that's going to be a lingering point of interest over the next couple of months as those recruitments wind to the finish line. Does it say... Does it say where... Um, Does it say when he's going to announce? He's already announced. 
No, I know, but what his commitment? Oh no, no, it uh, his commitment. No. Okay. I don't think there's a timetable set on that right now because I think there's a lot still in motion in order to get him reclassified. So I don't know that there's a definitive timetable on anything in that regard at the moment. I mean, my God, his top five is shocking, to be honest with you. A&M, Oregon, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia. I, the only shock, I think, is Oregon. Oregon. The other four but makes Lanning, sense. Lanning, I guess it makes sense with Dan Lanning. Lanning, yeah. So I get, yeah. no, that's, yeah, the top five makes sense. I, but no Alabama just shocks me, honestly. Yeah, I guess that is kind of the notable omission. But, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe he had, <laughs> maybe he was pre, maybe he was prescient and knew that Pete Golding was going to get arrested for DUI or something. Who knows? Yeah, this is this is huge as far as Oklahoma goes. So let's talk about that now that it's out in the open. I kind of we we were hinting at that earlier in the podcast a little bit with the Levius Overton stuff. I tried to try not to to blow the the top off that. Uh, but it's out there. It's on our board, OUinsider.com, and it's a VIP stuff we got going on here. OU made the top five, and he reclassified to 2022. So now OU has two five stars they're in on to close out the 2022 class. And when you thought it was all over with, but 2022, it reels you back in, baby. The class that never gives away. <laughs> all right, man. A&M obviously has the momentum here. Sure. I mean, that's that's A&M has the momentum with just about any five star at the moment. It's crazy. It is his dad. His dad worked there for 11 years. The kid grew up around College Station, but his dad also is the biggest OU fan there is. They've been to Oklahoma two or three times already on their own. He made it known in the write up that Steve Wolfong put out. Love Coach Venables, love Coach Bates. That's so why. drop the crystal ball, Brandon. Not happening. <laughs> if it happened, it would be the AM. I mean, tell y'all right now. But OU's there. There's a lot of buzz. I, from when I talked to people last night, and I read you the text. It was very to the point of, hey, Oklahoma is very much in this thing. Like they've got a legitimate shot. So that means he's going to be taking official visits at this point. You know what's crazy to fathom, Brandon, is that there is a world in which Texas A&M signs Lebius Overton, Gabriel Brown-Lodindy, and Shamar Stewart to the same defensive line. That is terrifying. That is terrifying. If that happens, I, I want to say this. If that happens, I will, I will say right here, right now, that two or three transfer at some point. Well, they either, all, either they two can't or three play. transfer or they're going to win a national championship very yeah, soon. Well, I, I think they're going to compete for a national title. I, don't, I think that's without question. Jimbo Fisher's already proven he could do that at Florida State. I'm he, he he did the exact remember how well he recruited at Florida State for a long time. He hit remember he like went way up. He recruited at this level and then he like fell off recruiting after a while because he just quit trying. 
And I don't know. I don't think he's going to do that at AM. I'm just saying that's kind of what the, he, the, he did the exact same thing at Florida State, where he recruited at a level that was just absurd. And it was on the defensive front. They were known as having the best defensive line every year. And so I, I don't know. I, I think, I think. Oh, you has a legitimate shot for Levy Silverson. I, he's probably going to take an official visit from the looks of it. And from that point on, you have to assume that OU and A&M are like right there at the top just because the connections to the school with the families. You would have to assume that. I mean, this is just this is our assumption. Well, and, Georgia, and at that point, Georgia that has point, to be if you're. Too. Yeah, well, Location. if you're splitting hairs between Oklahoma and Texas A&M in the race for Levius Overton, one thing you have to be mindful of is the relationships and the influence that those coaches are going to have on a guy like Levius Overton. And at that point, do you trust Brent Venables and Todd Bates, or do you trust DJ Durkin and Elijah Robinson? Right In that cage match, I'm giving the edge to Venables and Bates. And obviously relationships aren't all of it. Elijah Robinson's proven to be a hell of a relationship builder. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but so has Brent Venables and so has Todd Bates. Yeah, so that's fair. I think I think the full court press that Oklahoma can put on a guy like Libby Silverton between Venables and Bates and shoot at this point, throw Miguel Chavis in there because yeah. dude knows a thing or two about relationships, clearly. Yeah. Um, I again relationships aren't the entire picture and they aren't the only factor. But specifically in that arena, I give the edge to Oklahoma. I'm not saying I give the overall edge to Oklahoma in terms of where Levius Overton ends up, but there's there's reason to have a guarded sense of optimism about what Oklahoma could do if they get Levius Overton on a campus visit. I mean, my God. Oh, if they close out with Connerly and Overton, you understand how happy the OU fans will be. It'll be it'll be significant, a significant deal. I, as a matter of fact, pulling up the calculator, I think would be. It, I, do you think they already have him in the class? Or I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I suppose if they do, well, the, the issue is even if they do change it change the class designation they still have to re-rank him so i don't know that we would be able to get a reliable indication he has not where been, Oklahoma. yeah he, he's not yeah he's okay not so the but here's what i do know oklahoma jet gets josh Connerly. they jump up to the number seven class in the country you have to imagine if they get lebius overton they're at least encroaching upon top five territory we can I can tell you what his number is. Here's what you do. You just do the number on it, right? I mean Well, no, because the number depends on the class, doesn't it? Yeah. So he would he would be a 29.88 as far as his number, his ranking, his, his the points he would give is 29.88. That would put Oklahoma at 304 if they got Connerly too. Which would put, and I don't know if that's that's one hundred percent how it would work. It's a percentage, yeah, well, isn't it? Isn't it a percentage? Well, and I the, think, yeah, I think it depends on who else you have signed in that class. So that's what I'm saying. Right. I don't, I don't think you can just take that number and plug it in. At least from how I understand, I'm not a math guy. Neither they, of us they are would math be four guys. or five. That's why we do what we do. 
Yeah, they would yeah. be four or five, most likely, four or right? Five. Yeah, in the ranking. Wow, that would be impressive. I don't know if I can. <clears throat> I don't want to get the OU fans' hopes up. I, I think you, you need to get if Sooners fans. I think Parker and I need to tell you right now: do not get your hopes up on Connor Lee and Overton. Yes, Oklahoma is in a very good spot for both. But at the end of the day, you're one of five schools. So don't be overly disappointed if you don't land either one of those two. Be happy that you have the number eight class in the country and move on to 2023, which leads me to the question I want to ask you here before we close out with the 2022 guys that we think are going to be impact guys for Oklahoma moving forward. Five guys over the next four months. If you can name five 2023 guys, who would be those guys or those players, the recruits that you think Oklahoma will have landed in the next four months? I think by the end of April, Oklahoma has 10, 11, 12 commits maybe. Yeah, potentially. I, I agree. All with you. I don't think that's out of the question at all. So here's what I will say. Um, I think you got to start with the obvious. Ashton Cozart is making an announcement this Friday, and I think the consensus expectation is that that's going to be a commitment. And if that's the case, Oklahoma is in the driver's seat there. But it, they've been in the driver's seat for Ashton Cozart for more than a minute. So even if Friday's announcement isn't a commitment, I think they still lock him down before long. So I would put him at the top of the list. I also am looking at a couple in-state guys and Jacoby Johnson and Micah Tease, two guys whose affinity for Oklahoma is well-documented and two guys that have become a priority for this staff uh, as they kind of shift their focus to 2023. So those are the three at the very top of my list right there. Ashton Cozart, Micah Tease, Jacoby Johnson. I'm going to throw a little bit of a wild card at you. And I throw this guy's name out there because I know he's not big on the whole recruiting process, would probably rather get it over sooner rather than later. And I know Oklahoma's making a lot of positive strides with him lately. That guy is Jalen Hale, the five-star wide receiver out of Longview, Texas. And Oklahoma was not in Jalen Hale's top 12 when he dropped it because it came, I want to say, 48 out within 48 hours after Lincoln Riley left for USC. So it was entirely unclear what the offensive staff at Oklahoma was going to look like at that point. And I think that was the reason why Jalen Hale omitted them. But Kale Gundy and Jay Valai have Oklahoma very much back in that race and trending strong for Jalen Hale. So it's kind of just a gut feeling, and it is admittedly a bit of a wild card. But that is the guy that I would say is number four on the list. Number five, I, I want to add a disclaimer here. Because I know for a fact with 100% certainty that this player's commitment isn't going to become public until early signing day. But I really do believe that within the next couple of months, the Sooners are going to get a silent commitment from Caden Green, the four-star offensive lineman out of the state of Missouri. Because he's not, Oklahoma he's not has announcing until early signing period? He is not announcing until early signing day. Okay. 100% not announcing. And so with that in mind, I think that's, that's why I add a bit of an asterisk to that one, because you're not going to know that he's committed until early signing day, but based on the way that things are trending right now, and Caden green is going to be back on campus 
March 5th for his fourth visit to the campus of the University of Oklahoma, and he's bringing a whole crew with him. You want to find out who? Head over to OUinsider.com. I posted a note about it uh, earlier in earlier this week, I believe. But regardless, Caden Green is a guy that Bill Biedenboe has made a very strong impression on, that Brent Venables has made a very strong impression on since taking the head coaching job. And right now, and I – I dropped the crystal ball for Caden Green to Oklahoma. I believe it was last May, and I feel as good right now as I ever have about that crystal ball. I think Caden Green's going to be a sooner, and I think he could give the staff his silent commitment sooner rather than later. Okay, is that is that that was four, right? No, that was five. So I got Cozart, uh, Hale, mm-hmm. Jacoby Johnson, Micah Tease, Caden Green. Okay, those are my five. Gotcha. <clears throat> well, um, I'm going to sit here and say, yeah, I think you, you hit three of mine uh, with Cozart, um, Micah Tease, and Jacoby Johnson. I'm going to throw by Job out there. I think, look, I, I have for a long time felt that Vanderbilt was going to be the team to be here. And I know that sounds really weird for a top 60 kid in the country, but their coaching staff is foreign um, from Jamaica, from a couple other places. So he feels really comfortable with them. You had the fact he's from Senegal. Education is such a priority for in countries like that, that Vanderbilt it appeals to him. I mean, in a huge way that said, he does live with the family that is OU donors. They're an OU family. Oklahoma Sports and Orthopedic, Dr. Bond, uh, and, and Susan Bond. Uh, they're, they're big-time Oklahoma people. They're not pressing him at all to go to OU. Not at all. They're letting him do what he wants. But at the end of the day, I think by Job ends up at Oklahoma – because it'd be closer to family and it just makes sense. Um, so I have Jacoby Johnson, Micah Tease, by Job and Ashton Cozart, obviously, uh, Cozart has an announcement for something coming up tomorrow. We like Oklahoma's chances. We like where they stand with them. He originally was trying to commit to OU back on December 29th, the day that Lincoln Riley, Oop, I said his name. The day that other guy out that went out west decided to leave the University of Oklahoma. And so that derailed all OU's momentum. Kel Gundy, Jay Valai, Brent Venables, have, and, and Jeff Levy have really pushed hard for Ashton Cozart. And I like where Oklahoma stands with them. The last guy I'm going to throw out is Deuce Robinson. Yes, sir. Star tied in out of Pinnacle, out of Phoenix, Arizona, Pinnacle High School. Same high school as one Spencer Rattler went to. Look, OU is making a strong move for him. He's visited Oklahoma on several occasions. His relationship with Kel Gundy is as strong as ever. Kel Gundy went out there to see him. I think twice during the evaluation, the contact period. So 
I like Oklahoma's chances there. And I'll add one more. I'll add one more to this oh whole boy. ordeal. Well, I'll add two more. He's giving you a bonus, an encore. I'm going to give you a bonus and an encore here. I'm going to go with Dylan Edwards from Derby, Kansas, the athlete. Man, how did, how did I forget him? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, <laughs> I thought that was like, I thought you had four easy ones, like right off the top of the bat. I was like, whoa, he didn't even name Dylan Edwards. Okay. So I just went ahead and named some extra guys. Uh, I'm going to go with Dylan Edwards. Um, I, I do think Oklahoma sits really well with Trey Wisner, but he's not going to announce his decision until October. If I was going to pick where Wisner is going to go right now, I'd say, oh, you 100%. I feel that confident in it. But there's a long time between now and October. Uh, the, the final guy that, and, and, you know, you named Caden Green. So I, I think you and I are both on the same page there. You know that more than me. But from what I know, I know Oklahoma sits really well with him. I'm going to say I'm going to throw out a wild card here and I'm trying to find my defensive line here on the list. And I think Oklahoma walks away with kind of a, a, a I guess, another surprise commitment or two. Um, I'll say, oh man, this is, I mean, this would be, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. The defensive line would be just because those guys are so big time. It would be hard for me to do that. But I do think Kenijah Harris out of IMG Academy, the offensive, the four star offensive lineman. And I do think that, um, Peyton Kirkland out of Dr. Phillips in Orlando, four-star offensive lineman. I think those two are guys that OU fans need to watch very closely. And I will add that I think Keldrick Falk is a guy Oklahoma fans need to watch as well on the defensive line. Obviously, DJ Hicks. Um, I, I would say Bobby Washington out of uh, Miami, Florida, and his brother. Uh, I can't remember his brother's. I can't remember who his brother is off the top of my head. It's Robbie and Bobby. Robbie and Bobby. Yeah, there you go. Bobby. Robbie Washington. I think both those guys are in a uh, – Oklahoma's in a prime position for both those guys as well. So, I But their dad did play at Miami from my understanding. So it's going to be hard to pull them out of South Florida and the Miami area. But I think Oklahoma sits really well at this juncture. And then finally, I, I'm with you on the Jalen Hill thing. I am. I think Oklahoma is tracking very well for him, but they have to keep sustaining that. If they don't sustain that, I think I think Oklahoma is at a breaking point right now. They either need to get him on campus in March. If that doesn't happen, I don't see at any point Oklahoma can make a comeback for him. They're, they're charging right now. If something goes awry and it stops and they don't they don't end up getting him on campus, I think that's where things kind of stop for Oklahoma with Jalen Hill. So we'll have to see how that plays out. March 5th, that big junior day. I mean, there's big names out there. Keldrick Fox supposedly showing up. Jordan Raynaud supposedly showing up. There's a potential to have DJ Hicks back in town. Uh, there, there's a lot going on for Oklahoma in that 
that weekend. And then I think April 1st on when the official visits start to be allowed to happen again, I think OU is going to throw out official visits week every week. And I think it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as we head into the spring game. Um, before we close this out real quick, three guys on the 2022 class do you think are going to make a significant impact in the 2022 season? If I had to pick three guys that will make a very strong impact for the Sooners in year one of the Brent Venables regime, I feel like you have to start with Jaron Kanak based on everything that we've heard about him thus far in workouts and just the physical specimen that he is, both in terms of his athleticism and his size and his tenacity. That's a guy I know there is depth in the linebacker room, and I know there is quality depth, but that's a guy that might just be too good to keep off the field at the end of the day. I'm really interested to see how his play translates or I guess how his testing translates to spring practice and what kind of momentum he can build heading into fall camp. Because physically, I think the guy has as high a ceiling as anybody in Oklahoma's defense. And again, I think he very legitimately could be a player that proves too good to keep off the field, much like Danny Stutzman was last year for Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Another guy that I think is poised to make a really, really strong impact right off the bat is Robert Spears Jennings. And I have been, pounding the drum for Robert Spears Jennings since long before he took off up the 24 seven sports rankings into the top 150, because what this guy brings to the table in terms of size, in terms of athleticism, and in terms of his, just his natural feel for the safety position and his ability to cover the entire field. He's just got some innate defensive back qualities that you can't teach and that are really special. And moreover, Oklahoma is having to replace two starting safeties this year in Patrick Fields and Delarian Turner Yell. So you look at the way those battles are going to shape up. You would naturally give the edge to probably Key Lawrence at the strong safety position and maybe a guy like mm -hmm. Trey Morrison opposite him. But the point is Robert Spears Jennings is going to have as good of a shot as anybody to make a case for a starting role. And yeah based on what he brings to the table and based on the fact that you look at his frame and you look at the way he plays the game, he's so ready. Like he's so ready to play college football. And I think that's yeah. one of the most uh, encouraging things about what Robert Spears Jennings brings is the fact that it's very evident. His game translates almost immediately to the collegiate level. So I'm really curious to see whether he can make a push for significant playing time or even make a push for a starting role in year one for the Sooners. Was it, um, was it real quick, was it Roof or Lebby that said somebody gained six pounds since they've been on Caden Helms. Caden Helms, there you go. I knew you yep. remember that because I thought it was a Nebraska kid and I couldn't remember which one it was. Go ahead, yeah. finish up. Okay, so I, this is another guy that I feel like I have been pushing and pushing and pushing for close to a year now. I think Javante Barnes is going to get a good chunk of the action out of the Oklahoma backfield you took in my 2022 three. <laughs> because, and, and look, I know Oklahoma has Eric Gray coming back. I know they have Marcus major whom a lot of people are just waiting to see when he blossoms because it really does seem like a matter of when, not if, with what he brings to the table physically. But that said, Javante Barnes is just special, man. Flip on the tape. Flip on his sophomore tape before yeah. he was a nationally regarded recruit. 
that guy's dynamic and he's got size. He's got the ability to be elusive in the open field. He's got breakaway speed. He has got all the tools that you want in a complete three down running back. And he's probably not a three down running back for the Sooners right off the bat in year one, because obviously you've got an experienced guy in Eric Gray that has proven particularly useful in passing down situations. But I really do believe that Javante Barnes could have a better year than we have seen from any Oklahoma freshman running back since Trey Sermon back in 2017, and perhaps even more so, perhaps going back to Samaje P. Ryan in 2014. That's the kind of ceiling that I think Javante Barnes has immediately. And one guy that I will throw, throw out as kind of a bonus, Brandon, our Mason Thomas has a Damn really, you, really intriguing blend of skills, man. Yeah. And that's one of those guys that from a size standpoint, you kind of wonder if he needs a year or two to kind of transition to the speed and the physical demands of the collegiate game. But man, he's one of those guys where you flip on the tape and you look at the fact that he allegedly runs a 4.840 yard dash. You look at the way he pursues the quarterback, you're like, ain't no way that dude is as slow as his 40-yard dash would suggest. He plays angry. I saw one of our posters on the OU Insider VIP board the other day uh, sum it up really nicely when they said he plays like his hair is on fire. And that's a really good way to describe the way that R. Mason Thomas plays the game. So, again, I'm not sure whether he becomes a factor in year one just because of the depth that Oklahoma has at rush and at that outside linebacker position but man i think our mason thomas long term has a really really high ceiling and i think it could translate as immediately as his freshman year i agree with you 100 on your four <laughs> you took the guys i was gonna say obviously jaron kanak he's a freak i don't know whether he's gonna play some nickels he can play linebacker i think he I think where he ends up playing is going to be the most intriguing part, but I 100% feel he's going to play and be a impact guy in the 2022 season. I think Robert Spears Jennings, I, I, there's something about him that, you know, I, I feel he has a chance to do, something special his speed his size his athleticism his love for the game how smart he is i think it's gonna be hard to keep him off the field um and i think the same with javante Bourne, just because we've heard such good things about javante since he arrived for winter workouts and so as long as he keeps that up i think it's gonna be really hard to keep him off the field or at least allow him to have maybe five or six carries in a game, whereas you would have maybe 12 carries for Marcus Major, 15 carries for Eric Gray, then maybe five or six for whatever, for, say, a Javante Barnes type to start the season in. I, 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 for some odd reason, I can't get my mind out of holding out of Gavin Salchuk just yet because I just think his speed and his patience – are going to allow him to come in and make at least push for rotation since he's not an early enrollee guy. I think when he comes in in June, him going through the uh, summer workouts and pressing hard, I think at the end of the day, 
I think the two freshman running backs are going to play more than a lot of people expect just because they're such talented guys. Like they're freaks. They're both freaks and they're and they're freaks in their own little way. Like Javante's a bigger guy. He's not going to run as fast as Gavin Salchuk, but they're both guys that can catch out of the backfield can do multiple things. Um, I think Jake Taylor is a guy that people overlook. And with the need for depth on the offensive line, I think he has a chance to come in and play some. I don't know. how. how do, uh, am I crazy thinking Jake Taylor has a chance to come in and compete right off the bat? No, I don't think so I, at all. He's He's been great at every camp that he's been to, at every all uh, the Polynesian Bowl he was there. Obviously, he was sick at the All-American Bowl, but – Man, he 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 did really well at Polynesia at the Polynesian Bowl. On top of that, I think Jake Sexton. I think he's going to take one year to really get in the groove of things, but I think after that year, he's going to take off. I think that kid has endless amounts of potential as well. His length, uh, his drive, the way that he goes about his day to day business. It's going to be hard to find somebody that's going to outwork Jake Sexton. And that just is. Um, I think the two guys that are kind of, they're talked about a lot. But as far as impact early, not a lot of people go there. Gentry Williams is a guy that Jay Valai and Brent Venables have high, high hopes for. They think the second he gets into the Jerry Schmidt stuff and Jay Valai gets into teaching him, they think he has a chance to be special, like downright special with his athleticism. Jaden Rowe with his size. I think that's going to – to me, that's the one kid. Where does he end up? He's already 6'3", 225 pounds. He runs a 10'4", 100 meter. He's a freak. How, where, where does he end up playing? Is he an edge rusher at the end of the day? Is he a nickel? Strong safety? Linebacker? Like, where does this kid end up? I think finding out what type of mentality this kid has is going to be probably the most interesting thing about the summer workouts. Well, and I think that's what it comes down to for a kid like Jaden Rowe, too. For a kid with that much versatility and that much athleticism, the type of skill set that Jaden Rowe has, (laughs) it all comes down to what his mentality is and what you can coach him up in that regard to become. Because to be a successful edge rusher, the likes of a Nick Benito, you got to have a certain mentality and it's you a different mentality crazy. than you would adopt playing safety or playing nickel or playing cornerback. So right. if they are going to make Jaden Rowe into, as he put it to me, the fastest edge rusher of all time, then that's something that it, it may take a little while for him to get there. And it may take a little bit of development and coaching both physically and mentally to get him to the point where he's comfortable rushing full speed at a 320 pound offensive lineman and trying to work his way around him. Because for a guy that's played defensive back for much of his high school career, that's probably going to be a bit of a culture shock initially. And so 
yeah, there's a very good chance that Jaden Rowe becomes an immediate impact guy if that isn't the secondary. But I think his ceiling could be even higher at edge rusher. But in that circumstance, I think it probably takes him a little bit longer to get there, if you know what I'm saying. I agree. I agree. I think that's that's what I'm saying. I think us finding out how much weight does he put on when he gets to Norman, I think is going to be the telltale sign. Because after a month, if he's put on 10 pounds and he's weighing 240, we know exactly where his ass is headed. <laughs> He's headed to the end. Miguel Chavis is going to be his coach, position coach. So I think that's, that. to me, that is, there's there's so much intrigue with this 2022 class that I, I think OU fans have a lot to look forward to. And I think they're going to, they're going to be a significant impact class when it's all said and done. And I think a guy that we haven't talked about yet is Kobe McKenzie. Just because there's a lot of depth at linebacker, but he is going to be a leader and one of the top guys on the defense before his career is all said and done. I actually think he'll play some this year, but I think the 2023 season, he's going to take off. I just think because he's never really been a nutrition, strength and condition guy, so he's going to need some, you know, time to I guess move forward and find his niche in the system the OU system and he's doing that but he's got to do it at his own pace and I don't know I, I've heard good things about him so far his work ethic's fantastic his, his attitude's great I'm ready to see how much his body transforms because he's, he's a guy that has a chance to really, really make a big jump with his body underneath uh, Jerry Smith when it's all said and done and be a really big-time impact player as an off-ball linebacker. Something people, Some people question that with him because of his frame. But his frame's like that because he's never had nutrition before. He eats what he wants. and so. But he's lost a lot of weight already. And I think that's, that's, that's going to be the key there. All right, that's going to do it. For this version of the OU Insider Under the Visor Students podcast, the National Signing Day version, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you're not a member of OU Insider, please join us. One dollar for the first month, nine ninety five afterwards. If you want to go month to month and just do a monthly trials, or you can sign up right now for seventy five dollars. We'll get you twelve months. It's cheaper than any place else there is. Uh, normal price is one hundred eight dollars. We haven't brought it back up to $108 just yet because we want to give you guys a chance. It was 60% off, and we probably aren't going to do that for a long while again. Uh, And we had a 75% off, but there's a lot coming up as far as spring, as far as uh, the winter workouts, as far as the 2023 recruiting with junior days and the official visits for 2023 are rolling around the corner here in the next month and a half. So if you want to come to OU Insider, do it now. Because we're going to have a lot of information. I'm headed out to Florida, Texas, uh, Georgia, uh, California, D.C. over the next month and a half or so. Parker's headed to Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, uh, a couple other places. We'll be all over Oklahoma, all over Texas. We're going to be at Under Armour camps. We're going to be at the opening camps. We're going to be at the Elite 11 stuff. We're going to be at the... Uh, the opening, the top five linemen, whether it's defense linemen, it's just called top five. Uh, it's for the all the best linemen in the country come, and then you have the top five D linemen, 
and O-linemen compete at the end, one-on-ones and all that type of stuff. We're going to be at all that. There's going to be a ton of OU targets there, 2023, 2024, 2025 targets, and we're going to be there covering it for you all over the country. Uh, we'll have all that information on OU Insider VIP. We have the basketball coverage coming up as well as OU looks to make a push for the NCAA tournament. Uh, so we're, we've got a ton, men's and women's basketball, not just men's, men's and women's. So we've got a ton of that coming up for you, softball, baseball. Look, OU Insider covers the gambit of o, OU Athletics, and we have it all for you on OUinsider.com and OU Insider VIP. Again, $75 gives you 12 months. We'll get you all the way through the season. We'll get you to the spring, get you to the winter, all the way through National Signing Day of next year. So you will be set and not have to miss a beat of any information, coaching changes, what have you. And we'll have that for you on OU Insider VIP. We keep you up to date, ahead of the game. You will know stuff before anybody else. You'll be the cool insider guy at work. And you can talk to people, but there's thousands. And I mean, there is thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people on OU Insider VIP at all times, talking, doing stuff. It's Twitter. But for people that actually know what's going on a lot of the time, because they're, we, we have them up to date. So uh, they know what's going on behind the scenes. So come join us. We'd love to have you. Can't thank you guys enough. We broke another record for page views this past month. We hit 16 and a half million. Never had that in a January ever. And that's thanks to you guys. We've broken another membership rep record as well. VIP members. Uh, you guys are the best, OU fans. We cannot thank you guys enough. Uh, OUinsider.com VIP. Uh, that's going to do it for this version of the OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. My name is Brandon Drum. That's Parker Thune. We will talk to you guys later next week. <laughs>